Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. All right, ladies, welcome back. So today we have with us our very special guest. We have Amy Schamberg. Amy is a holistic mental health and wellness expert and has more than 13 years of experience. She has worked as a school psychologist in the Denver metro area since 2011. She is a functional medicine certified health coach and national board certified health and wellness coach. In 2021, Amy launched her holistic health coaching business. She is passionate about helping high achieving women release the mental weight, simplify self-care and get time back in their wake for themselves without the guilt. In addition to her private practice, Amy also holds position at the University of Denver. So of course, we're going to have an incredible conversation today because we're going to be talking about all of those things when we talk about, you know, releasing the mental weight to simplifying self-care and finding ways to get our time back. So if this is what you're looking for, then definitely tune in because we have an incredible conversation on deck. So welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I am too. I I know that we were chatting briefly before we hit record and we've had a couple topics that really resonate. And I I feel like this is something that you take care of. Like this is your work and your passion and your heart. And I know for me, as I'm like reading through your bio and the conversation before, we're like, I see the synergies. I see how we're just going to bring this incredible conversation to talk about those three things, the mental weight of how it's adding to the stressors of our health and our wellness to really finding those simple moments and strategies that we can really strip back and have a form of self-care that really feels like it's conducive to the betterment of creating a a fulfilling and meaningful life. I mean, we are just highly ambitious women. So it's like, how do we do it all? So my question to you is, how do you do it all? Let's talk about the journey. How did you get here? Oh my gosh, that's such a great question. How much time do we have again? You know, it's it's been a journey for sure. I think like everyone listening, I have always been a very ambitious, high achiever, you know, going after the next challenge. And that has been a double-edged sword throughout my life because, you know, with ambition and the desire to achieve comes success and, and all of those wonderful things, but it also invites burnout. And so I I have been through the cycle of, you know, perfectionism and people pleasing and putting myself last and high achieving and burning out and recovering and doing it again so many times in my life. Um, You know, starting with high school, actually, I grew up in a small town in Ohio and I had completed the highest level courses by the time I had completed 10th grade. So for the rest of my high school career, I went to the local community college to take courses, which sounded like a great idea. But by the time I actually got to university, you know, I was two years in and I was burned out. So it was a really hard struggle to kind of complete my degree and get through that um, that period of time. And, you know, then it just kind of repeats itself over and over, even in motherhood. You know, I can remember when my, my first kid, who's 10 now, was a baby and I was, you know, nursing on demand and going to the farmer's market to buy the organic food to, you know, make homemade baby food and, you know, just doing everything at 110% to the extent of my own health and well-being. And then there finally came a time where I 
I really had to take a long, hard look at myself in the mirror and say, this is not sustainable. And this is not the person that I want to be. And it's not the life that I want to continue living. And I was able to really understand where all of those tendencies were coming from, get to the root of that that need to achieve and that chronic stress that I was putting on myself and make some really um, significant changes in not just my my lifestyle and my habits, but the way that I thought about what I needed to do and, and what I had to do and what I chose to do. And because I was able to rise up from that, I was really inspired in my work with other women who are in similar situations because, my gosh, I feel like the majority of the, my clients are coming in for work-life balance support, you know, coming in for support to overcome burnout or, you know, just understanding how they can create more space and time in their day without feeling guilty because that's another big thing. This weight of guilt <laughs> whenever we do find time, um, you know, we're often thinking about, okay, well, I can get this chore done or I can get this task done. I could send out this email as opposed to like, what if we just did nothing for that 15 minutes and gave that back to ourselves. What would that be like? And I find that it's really, it's a mindset shift, but it's a really powerful one once we're able to embody that. Mm, you're spot on with all that. And it's like, you know, as you're sharing that story, I'm, I'm deeply resonating with a lot of what you shared, you know, from the perfectionist, the people pleasing to going all in, to hitting burnout, to the recovery process only to find ourselves go back and repeat again. And I'm curious to know then, you know, how many, I guess my question to you at this point, because I'm, I'm pulling stuff from my own experience is like, yeah. how many times do we keep repeating this cycle, right? So it's that awareness. We're like, oh my gosh, here we go again. And it's funny because I had somebody once ask me, are you ever going to stop chasing? And I said, oh, I didn't think of it in that context. So I'm curious to know, know in your story, you know, as you're going through these, the cycle, mm -hmm. then you're hitting this burnout, you mm -hmm. go back into recovery, you repeat the cycle. And then how long does that cycle typically repeat until you have an intervention in your own cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head when you said self-awareness, because so many times we're just flying on autopilot. And these habits and routines, I mean, we've been doing this since we were children. So it's it's the default like way for us to be. Even after coming out of that burnout recovery and we're really piling on the self-care and we're really trying to be mindful about, you know, our boundaries and what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. But over time, we have that inner drive. And that's that's the tricky part is finding the balance between that inner drive to achieve and be, you know, of service to others and being respectful of our own needs. And so for me, I find that the thing that has been most helpful is building in what I call blank space into my days and my weeks. You know, I used to like wear my busyness like a badge of honor and I would have every single minute of my day scheduled from like the moment I woke up until bedtime. And I have found in my own like burnout cycles that does lead to burnout. And so for me, having that blank space throughout my days where like literally there's nothing planned, there's no to-dos. And I just can use that time to get caught up if I choose, or I could use that time to call a friend or read a couple pages of a book or whatever I want to do. That has been really helpful for me and kind of allowing me to understand where I'm at, do a little self-check-in throughout the day, see how I'm feeling. And I'm human too. I, I mean, there are days where I just don't 
listen to my alarm when it goes off and it tells me it's time to slow down, right? But in the addiction world, we call recovery like an ongoing process. And I find that burnout is an on, like being in burnout recovery is an ongoing thing. Like we're never fully healed. We're never fully recovered from burnout. We can be in recovery, but we need to constantly be mindful of the habits and the decisions that get us there and course correct when we're when we see those things happening again. Absolutely. And I you know when you mention about just burnout recovery and and I love how you put it as an addiction, you know, it's sometimes we don't we're not aware that it's an addiction because we think of addiction as something, you know, external where, you know, maybe we're turning to drugs or alcohol or or gambling or any of those other what we considered your typical quote unquote addictions mm-hmm. and I love that you brought that up because it was something, I guess, as I was writing my my book called Chasing Perfection, I didn't even realize that it was in that context an addiction, but that chase for the next or the more yeah. was that short, quick burst of a high, in a sense, or it was right on the cusp of, that it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And that keeps that momentum going or that you know, the carrot is in front of you because you can see it and you think, oh, I'm so close. I'm about to get it. I'm about to achieve it. But that constant chase becomes that addiction that's a high you're chasing for what you think is going to be a self-fulfilling reward. And the irony of this, you know, looking back, you're like, wow, that that isn't. And, and it's an unhealthy addiction because even though you don't think, well, I'm not putting anything into my body, you're actually putting more stressors and toxins and chemical releases in your body that are making you feel exhausted, burnout, run down, lethargic, stress is at a high, demand is at a high, your pressure to continue to perform is at a high. And then, like you said, it's not sustainable. So when you found yourself in this burnout phase, and you know now with the awareness that it's not sustainable, what were some of those challenges that you had to overcome or even find ways to manage because like you said it's never you don't ever heal completely it's a recovery process because the, it's ingrained in you so it's a way of unlearning what your presets are ready to do right like you're already kind of programmed that so what were some of those challenges that you found that you know you're able to put overcome but now some of those ones that are still you know you got to manage them keep them at bay absolutely well I, going back to the whole addiction world, I hit rock bottom with my burnout in 2021. Um, it was, or I'm sorry, was it 2022? No, it was 2021. They're all blurring together. It was nearing the end of the pandemic when we were allowed to travel again. I hadn't seen my family in about two years. My, my parents, my brother, I live in Colorado. They live in Ohio. You know, the pandemic was stressful for everyone. Um, I had been solo parenting for about six months because my husband had been traveling a lot for work. He he worked with the military, so he was out of town a lot. I was launching my business. I was completing my functional medicine training. I was working full-time as a school psychologist. There was just a lot of stress in my life. I was putting a lot of stress on myself. And then I decided it would be a great idea to take my boys back to Ohio to visit the family that I hadn't seen in about two years. Normally, when I show up to see my family, I have a lot of gas in the tank. You know, I'm able to deflect things that might, you know, otherwise be difficult. And when I showed up that time, I had no gas left in the tank. 
I, I showed up on empty and I was already burnt out when I walked in the door. And the thing is the, the old patterns, um, you know, of dysfunction and toxicity, to be frank, that I typically was able to deal with, I was not able to deal with. And it really triggered something deep inside me that felt very akin to a PTSD type of panic. And um, long story short, cut the, the trip short, brought my boys back home. I went back to work and I could not function at work. I couldn't respond to emails. I couldn't focus when I was having conversations with people. I was having heart palpitations. I was sweating. I was having all of these physical, visceral reactions. And essentially, it was my body and mind breaking down because of the burnout, because of the unresolved past trauma that I was triggered by. And I ended up having to take 10 weeks of a leave of absence. I could not function. And during that 10 weeks, I, you know, I went to my therapist every week. I went to yoga every day. I I did all of these things. I, you know, walked in nature and um, it was a glorious sabbatical in that respect. But it also was a necessary turning point in my life to understand the root cause of a lot of my, the burnout cycle that we talked about, right? The people pleasing and the perfectionism and the need to achieve. And and why is that? Like, why is that? And mm-hmm. having that experience with my my family and, and all of those, those triggers and working through it in family or in therapy, it helped me realize, you know, when I was younger, when I was achieving, I was flying under the radar, right? When I was People pleasing when I was saying yes, when I was able to, you know, ascertain a situation, do I need to placate or avoid or what do I need to do here? You know, how do I avoid conflict? All of those survival mechanisms from a child's perspective, right? They kind of followed me into adulthood. And that was really empowering for me to realize, oh, okay, that's part of my story, right? Like, yes, I do have ambition inside me, but I was also... Um, it was modeled to me, you know, how to kind of fly under the radar and and say yes, even when I wanted to say no to certain things. And, and, and do you know what I mean in that regard? So that was really a powerful turning point for me. And I think that awareness is truly the first step in any kind of change. If we don't understand why and how, you know, we are doing these same things on repeat over and over again, then it can be really hard to change. So that's that was a big turning point for me. Yeah, I love that you shared all of that because I think you covered so many so many different facets because it really isn't just one thing, right? And I think uh you know just as a side tangent here for a moment, I think there's so much context out there where it's like the one thing, one thing, focus on one thing, be one thing, do one thing, it is one thing, right? It's just too much one thing. I think even listening to your story and I'm over here like, oh my gosh, this, this is a lot of what I experienced too. I think for me, even in my story, it felt like I had to be one thing or do the one thing. And it was all of that. But as you just mentioned, there's so many different facets. There's so many areas of our life. There's so many triggers. There's so many this, right? So I would imagine it feels like your whole world is kind of just closing in on you. And you're like, how do I... How can I overcome this? How can I find peace? How can I, you know, find that recovery and allow myself to that space where I could heal? But maybe it's like, I don't even know what I need to heal from. So how, I mean, obviously, given your background, your ex- expertise in psychology, for those that are kind of at this cusp where they're like, man, I'm, 
you're speaking right to me. I feel like you took a page out of my diary. Like I'm hitting burnout. I keep doing the thing. Why do I end up in the same place? So how are some of those, you know, from your shared experiences to the women that you've worked with to your just experience overall in this space, you, are you seeing a common thread through these parallels and these stories? Yeah. And I think one of the clues is if you find yourself having multiple burnout episodes with different environments, right? So I'm thinking about a woman that I worked with recently who has changed careers a couple of times because each career she was in led to burnout. And it was it was always the job and the boss mm-hmm. and the demands. And yeah, they were high. But you know, when it's happened at three different places over the course of two decades, it's like, okay, Hmm. What else could be going on here, right? Yep. And so it's really taking an honest look at ourselves and it's and it's being open and it's being self-compassionate too, because no one is at fault for, you know, the the way that we are. But um I think that it's truly inspiring to to know that we can make changes. So a couple of the things that I notice a lot, like I mentioned, are the people-pleasing and perfectionistic tendencies. And if we can get curious about, okay, well, where when did I first become a people pleaser? What is a people pleaser? Do I have a hard time saying no? Do I, you know, have a fear of disappointing others? Do I, you know, feel guilty putting myself first? Do I feel guilty even thinking about self-care? You know, do I overcommit because I, I just can't set a boundary and then I feel resentful? Well, that might mean that, you know, you kind of fit into that that mold of a people pleaser. And when did that begin and why? And if we can kind of like peel back the onion and keep looking underneath, like where did it start? Why did it start? When did it serve you? Because all of these patterns served us at some point, right? We 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 engaged in these behaviors because they were helpful at one point, or they or maybe they still are helpful in some regards up to a point. But it's like, when did it stop being helpful? When did it stop serving you? And what can we shift or think or do differently? to interrupt that pattern so that you do set yourself up for feeling your best. And, you know, the same thing with with perfectionism or unrealistic standards for achievement or, you know, just being really self-critical or thinking, okay, I'll be happy when. When did that begin? How did that begin? And what can we do to kind of change course now? Right, right. And for those listening, you might be writing some of those down, like those are the questions that you might want to ask yourself as you find yourself in, you know, a very familiar place more than you often want to be in. And having that awareness allows you to really take that step back from a situation and and really refine and define and ask yourself those hard questions. Because, you know, in that moment of curiosity, I love that you brought up that point because it's such an imperative word when we could really come at our life through a lens of curiosity, because that also opens doors for opportunity, for exploration, for healing, for discovery, rediscovery, whatever that might be. But the opportunity for to get curious is where real growth and healing comes in. So I love that you brought that up because as we're finding ourselves, and maybe we're just like, you know, find ourselves at the same door, right? We're entering the same door like, wow, this looks really familiar. How... Why did I come this way? Why am I back in the same room? Why am I putting myself in situations that aren't serving me? So having that curiosity, be like, oh, look, there's another door over here. I haven't yet explored. I wonder what's behind that one. And so as you start moving yourself through this 
narrative or this, uh, you know, curiosity funnel, more or less, you start to find some healing, some solutions, some space, some peace, right? All those inner things that we long for, but yet we seek externally thinking that, that that will be what fills us. Just like you said, I'll be happy when I'll be X when, right? So you fill in that external feeling or reward that you're hoping to seek, but then getting curious and say, but if I already have that now, does that change the game for me? Is that something I could do different? And so I would imagine this a similar case for you. And so now as you're starting to come through your own healing process and recognizing your repeated patterns, you start to make those changes. And in those changes, you start to incorporate more ideal situations or practices and and behaviors as well to help support what we call, quote unquote, life balance. Now, of course, we know that it's impossible to balance life. I mean, we might get it for a moment, then it escapes us. So it's kind of, you know, we hear this and we're like, Oh my gosh, I, I'm over the term of balance. Is it harmony? Is it synchronous, you know, <laughs> synchronicity, whatever that might be? Integration, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's and it's funny because in this exact very moment, we're talking about a different lesson. So maybe that didn't resonate with you. Maybe balance is a trigger for you. I know it is for for myself mm-hmm. sometimes because balance means we got to teeter this. We got to carry it. We can't drop the water out of these buckets. How are we managing life? Well, we know that we're going to spill buckets of water. You know, the water is going to overflow. So how can you find ways to incorporate new strategies and implement this quote unquote work-life balance into your journey as you kind of took that step back and, and you're rebuilding yourself from the inside out? Absolutely. I love, love what you just said about, you know, how that can be really trigger, how thinking about balancing it all can be really triggering. And I absolutely agree. And I see, I see that with myself and with others. What I often do with my work with women is to like look at the past a little bit and kind of get underneath of all of those habits and and routines that we've been falling back on for years and years. I like to look to the future and think like, you know, help people think through, how do I want to feel? How do I want to be? What would an ideal day look like for me? Mm -hmm. And whether we call that a balanced day or an integrated day or whatever the words are to describe it, it's just what is your ideal day? Right now, what is your ideal day six months from now, a year from now, three years from now? Okay, so what do we need to do in order to get a little closer to that ideal? You know, what can we, what seeds can we plant right now? And also, what steps can we take to feel a little bit better today that will get us closer to that goal? Right. And so I would imagine in your own journey, you you started to implement this own, your own concept of releasing the mental weights, right? So having that awareness allows you now that space to start, you know, ridding the things that no longer serve you. And so when we look at it like, okay, we got to prune the dead ends, we got to cut, you know, cut off the dead weight that's no longer serving us. And how freeing that is from a mental state where we're our minds not chattering with, we have to do this, we have to do that, we have to keep going, blah, 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 right? So that will take the better of us, you know, to manage ways to combat that mental chatter or that drive that's telling you to go do more so that you can have more because if you have more then you can be but what if we flip that script and it's about being then doing and then having so that sense of achievement is still there so as high achievers we're like no we don't want to we don't ever want to not have an achievement because that's what defines us right so we define that by our identity and so having that identity holds true and so sometimes it's really hard to break those forms because it's a piece of us 
But in the piece of us, we have to let go of different facets that are no longer serving us. So in this mental, you know, in the mental weight to release that, what were some of the tools and strategies that you used to do that for yourself? But you also now are empowering your women to also go through the same. So let's talk about mental, releasing the mental weight. Absolutely. Right. I mean, as women, we carry around this invisible load always, right? This invisible mental weight, um, this invisible emotional weight that's just in our heads constantly. And, you know, so many people that I talk to are just like, I don't even know what I would do if I had time to relax. I don't know how to sit still. Or if I sit still, if I sit on the couch, you know, my brain is just thinking of all the things I need to do or I should be doing or, you know, the doctor's appointment I need to make or the errand that I need to run. And so much of our chronic stress is what's in our heads. And so there there are a couple of different strategies, right? I mean, there are ways that we can delegate, we can ask for help, we can learn to feel comfortable doing those things because so many of the women I work with feel either like there'll be a burden if they ask someone else to do something, they don't know how to ask for help, they would rather suffer in silence than appear, you know, like as as though they don't have it all together and that sort of thing. And then comes the the rumination, the worry, the, deci- the decision fatigue, right? Because we're always wondering, okay, do we need to do this? Do we need to do that? We're overanalyzing, we're overthinking. And then we also have the thoughts that tell us, I should do this or I have to do this. So a lot of it is also shifting the language. So rather than I should, can we say I choose to? Or rather than I have to, can we say I get to? And how does that, that feels a little more freeing, right? When we were telling ourselves that I'm choosing this or I get to do this as opposed to I have to or I should do this. Mm-hmm. So it's these little shifts, getting rid of some things in real life and also letting go of some things in our mind, letting go of the guilt and letting go of the the fear of what will happen if we set a boundary, you know? And, and what can we let go of in our minds And I know that's way easier said than done, but we first need to identify, like, if I could let go of this stuff in my head, how much freer and lighter would I feel? Okay, now how can we do that? What steps do we need to put in place to to, to be able to let go of those things? Right. And it's so, so true that it's not easy. It's, It's a challenge. And I was just thinking back on my own journey. I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember... I remember being in the depths of my journey. I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. This is painful. This is like messy growing pains. Like how could anyone ever want to do this? But then at the end of it, it's like, no, you just go through this period that is a dark, ugly mess. But the only way to keep going is to move through it. Whereas if you were to return back, you're just, you know, prolonging the inevitable of painstaking mess. But yet, you just return to safety and then you start, re- you know, asking your questions again, like, how did I get here? Is right. So you have to move through this season because in those moments of, I guess, the ugliness, mm-hmm. we come out so much stronger. We have clarity. We have more conviction, different change of perspective, uh, how we can start showing up now from a place of love and compassion and empathy. And we start nurturing and doing that for ourselves. So, right. So now we have a newfound form of self-love, self-compassion, self-empathy. And a lot of that comes through being able to sit at the bottom of the of your own pit with yourself. Yeah. And so that's why I encourage somebody who's like, you know, I don't want to go to that pit. I'll be honest, messy as ugly and painful as it is, 
please do it. I highly encourage anyone to sit with yourself at the bottom of a pit because as you can attest, probably the biggest transformation happened there, the growth, the learning, the lessons, the relationship that you got to build with yourself, the intimacies, the intricacies, right? All of that because you spent that quality time that many of us don't do for ourselves. So when you get to know yourself from the inside out, how much more freeing is that? So when you could rise to the top and you'll come out of that pit, you're a whole new person with a whole new outlook on life and a whole new now why and a drive so that you can continue this ambition and this high achieving this from a place of intention and purpose and not from a place of self-service. Mm-hmm. I love what you just said. And it's so important. You know, it's it's like a short-term season of uncomfortable self-exploration. Mm-hmm. A lifetime of misery, really, because <laughs> how do we really feel when we keep putting ourselves in these same situations over and over again? And then that voice in our head gets a little louder, like, why did you do this again? Why? Yeah. Ow, right? And and I think it's really valuable to have someone to support you through that as well. I, I definitely don't recommend, you know, putting yourself in that ugly place on your own, whether that's a, you know, a spouse or a best friend or a coach or a therapist or whomever. Um, it is important to have someone to kind of, you know, guide you through that or be there for you to lean on in those hard times. But what I will say too, is that I've seen time and time again, is putting ourselves in that uncomfortable position where we really have to get curious and, and, and do some digging and, and make some, you know, choices to, to do course correct and identify the obstacles that are preventing us from reaching that ideal vision that we have for ourselves and what can we do to overcome those barriers. You know, like I said, the burnout recovery is ongoing. It never stops. But after that initial deep dive, we feel so empowered after that, that we can continue doing those things in in small increments to kind of maintain our newfound um, freedom and lightness without so much discomfort. And and the more we practice and the more we do, you know, those things, um, set a boundary, get curious, you know, show ourselves self-compassion, even though that might feel really awkward and uncomfortable at first, the more we do it, the easier it gets. It's like anything, right? It's like going to the gym. You know, we can't go to like two exercise classes at the gym and think that we're going to have a six pack. We can't eat a salad for lunch every day this week and think we're going to lose, you know, 15 pounds. Like it's, consistent effort over time with everything. And the same thing goes with our mental health. For sure. And and as you as we're going through this process, right, we start to learn more about ourselves, right? You've learned, I've learned, hopefully our listeners are, are either they're starting their journey or they're in their journey or have come through their journey. They're all going to experience so many of the lessons that come through this. And I think even uh, what you and I were chatting prior to hit and record here, was that concept of incorporating more rest to, to, for us to be more, do more and have more. It's a lot of less in our life. So, you know, that concept of do more, feel less or do less, achieve more. That concept. Sorry, I had it a little bit backwards, but I love how you brought up you, this is something that's unique to you that I hadn't heard before, but I love that it's self care by subtraction. And I would love to hear your. Your take on that and, you know, really how you empower your clients to, to really live intentionally with that approach. Yeah, I know. Self care, it's such a buzzword. And it, I, I find it can be very triggering for people as well. Just like the right balance. I always like to ask, what is your definition of self care? 
And it's always so interesting to me because everybody has a different definition. And that's okay because there's no right or wrong. But in my practice, I believe that self-care is really taking intentional action to improve your health and protect your well-being and, and increase your happiness, right? And when we think about what are the things that can make us healthier and happier and, and you know have a stronger sense of well-being, is it adding more or is it taking something away? And in my experience, nine times out of 10, it's taking something away. And that's where that whole, you know, phrase self-care by subtraction was born. And so it's like, okay, what could we take off your plate that would help you feel happier and healthier and more at ease? So whether that is, you know, delegating a task, I had a client recently who came back and told me that um, she asked her partner to take over bedtime or bath time and bedtime for their little one. And it was so freeing for her to just have 30 minutes for herself at night. And she never was going, you know, never thought that was an option. Or is it letting go of a worry? Is it letting go of the guilt of putting ourselves first? Is it you know, letting go of something in our minds, or is it letting go of something tangible? Typically, it's both, right? All of the above. But what can we let go of to feel happier and healthier and more at ease? Yeah. And even just the fact of letting go that you have to be performing in some capacity. Instead Mm -hmm. of just performing, how about just being? And I think uh, even in that context, like, you know, sometimes you were like, these are obvious, right? It is, but it's not. So, yeah. I mean, right. And so many times I was just, you know, self-care can be a spa day. I just went to the spa with my best friend this weekend. We had a great time, but I do that like once a year. (laughs) Like that, that can't be what fills my bucket consistently if I'm not able to do it consistently. And so many times when we think about adding something like, you know, getting a massage or getting our nails done or going or doing that feels stressful because we're so busy anyways and we're so scheduled. And it's like, I don't know if I have time for that. How am I going to fit that in? And you're doing it and you're thinking about your other things. So I say, let's take away some things before we add more. Right. And one thing that I, I think might be something that we can bring into this conversation is when we're feeling those moments of overwhelm and stress and we're just like, I just can't anymore. In those moments, it's the emotions are feeling out of alignment, right? So our mind is saying one thing, our body saying another thing, and our emotions are kind of sandwiched in between. Like, which one am I? Where, where are we going? Are we going with the mind? Or are we going with the body, right? So, and that's where we're, and there's a disconnect and this feels like the struggle because there's they're, the mind and the body aren't on the same pace and the emotions are just trying to manage. So in those moments when our emotions are, triggered or heightened or whatever it might be there's some sort of you know unsettling yeah we're so quick to just give up in those moments right and i forgot i was reading somewhere or maybe it was on the audiobook and i know i'm going to butcher it but it was in the context of how many micro moments have we sabotaged our life because of how we felt in that moment instead of letting it pass right. and the reason i bring that up is because how many times are we just so over it that we're just like we're done and we fold we fold our business we fold our ambitions we fold our dreams and we don't take action on that because of those fleeting moments of painstakingly you know whatever overwhelm mismanaged our our emotions whatever that might be but in that context of allowing ourselves the space when we feel that overwhelm or that trigger 
take a moment to step back and assess that moment before reacting to it. And that's something that, you know, it, it hit me and I was like, don't we all do this? But it brought another, shined a little bit of a light in that aha moment. I was like, ooh, I do that sometimes in these areas. So it was something that I had to go back to my own drawing board and be like, all right, let's, you know, figure out what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So if we're constant high achievers, we're in motion, we're on the go, and all of a sudden we just get derailed by our emotions because it just took us off the path. And that's when we say, okay, better quit and call it call it done. Where sometimes we just need that rest. But then when we say, well, I don't have the time to rest because I'm busy, I'm doing this, I got priorities, I got, you know, whatever that story is that you're telling yourself, right? What if we just gave ourselves that moment to have a moment in that moment? Absolutely. Right? Yes. Like, what is wrong with that? And that was something I had to ask myself, I'm like, why can't you? Mm-hmm. And I feel like in those moments that were peaked, were heightened, and we feel that we have to make the best executive decision in that moment. And sometimes in that moment feels, I can't sustain it. So we have to stop. We can't manage this. So we need to, you know, correct course. Having those conversations with yourself will help bring some clarity. But when I'm in the season and I find those moments are taking the better of me, I breathe, I take a step back and say, you know what? I'm going to give myself that time. If I need to go read a book for a half hour, it's 30 minutes of my entire time. Give myself what I need. Take a step back, go for a walk, do whatever you got to do because a moment isn't going to define your future. It's not going to change the trajectory of everything. If anything, pulling back from what you you were sharing with the self-care by subtraction, you're allowing yourself to step back so you can move forward fully and completely with a new lens, a new perspective, fresher energy, whatever that might be. So I love all of this, how it comes full circle, because that's actually something that I'm experiencing and working on in this moment of my moment. I love everything you just described. And mindfulness is what I, I teach my clients all the time. And just, you know, recognizing when we are experiencing that discomfort. The cool thing is most emotions only last for 90 seconds. <laughs> so if we are able to to recognize that and okay, so I'm feeling, what am I feeling? I don't know. My stomach hurts and I'm starting to feel really tense in my jaw. Oh gosh, I'm anxious right now. Naming what we're feeling has been shown to really kind of tame its impact and effect on us. So if we can name what we're feeling Remind ourselves, feelings only last for 90 seconds. I can breathe through this. I can surf this wave of uncomfortableness. I've done it before. I can do it again, reminding ourselves that we're resilient in some way and just kind of surfing the wave, riding it out for a few minutes and doing what you need to do to regulate and come back to a better place, whether that is, you know, going to take uh, take a break by reading a book or listening to your favorite song or you know, stepping away from the computer and just going outside and looking at the clouds for five minutes, whatever that is to kind of alter your state of being and get it like out of your head and into your body in a healthy way that's grounding can be so, so empowering and can really help reset for the rest of the day. Absolutely. And it's so cool because when you do, it resets everything. It creates a lighter moment. The motion has been shaken out of your body or just disrupted in some capacity and Mm -hmm. having that ability now where I think as we're in this haste, we're struggling for that feeling of control because in those moments of, of heightened emotion, it feels like uncertainty or fear or anxiety or something like that has come in. So allowing ourselves to step back, 
we reclaim that power and control over our physical because we've now addressed it with our mind and say, hey, mind, it's really nothing to worry about. Don't stress about it. And your body's like, finally, we can relax. And our emotions are like, about time. (laughs) (laughs) It's like we're all on the same page now. We're like, hey, can we can we go back to it? You know, clear head, open heart and, and, you know, energy is feeling good in our body. So it's just a really cool experience when you could come through from being feeling like you're about to hit rock bottom to sitting in the bottom of your pit to climbing yourself out. You have the tools, the strategies. You have now lifted that mental weight. You've now incorporated better self-care practices through subtraction and curiosity and living in the moments, but not having the moments define your outcome and who you are. So having all of this really just broadens our spectrum of self-awareness. And and that's really at the heart of it. What you do for your clients is getting them at a place where they can feel holistically whole. They feel holistically healed in their mental and their emotional and now their physical becomes a, a you know, it's lighter, it's freeing, it's be able to move further, furthering them into that direction because that's our physical, right? It's the vehicle to keep us moving forward through our purpose and fulfillment in our life. So I love that you bring everything to a head. And this has just been in a really incredible conversation. So I'd love to pass the mic off to you for some final thoughts and some additional. I know that you work with your clients and some incredible work that you do. And I, I would love for you to share with our listeners how that works. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up holistic wellness because, you know, I say all the time that there are so many puzzle pieces that go, you know, that, that are needed in order for us to feel fully well. And, you know, earlier we were talking about the one thing and, you know, how there is no one thing. However, I would say that there is one thing that I always work with people on first, and that is sleep. Because, you know, when we're exhausted, it is really hard to do the things that we've been chatting about today. It's really hard to get introspective and and be open to like looking at ourselves in a different way and, and, and you know, not allowing self-criticism to come in. So one of the first things that I do when I work with my clients is just kind of understand where they're at with their sleep. And what I have been noticing, oh gosh, over the last probably six months or so um, is that, you know, Women are exhausted at the end of the night. They've been putting themselves last all day long. And they, you know, finally get to that point where like the house is quiet, the kids are sleeping, the laptop is closed, but it's the only time now that they've had for themselves. And what does, you know, what do 99% of people do? They pick up their phone and start scrolling. I mean, I did this too myself until I had some better strategies. And the next thing you know, it's two and a half hours later. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I have to wake up in four hours. What have I done? that cycle then repeats itself. So we've got to get sleep under control. And so I put together just a short guide. It's called Bedtime Bliss, Three Ways to Stop the Smartphone Scroll and Get Your Best Night of Sleep. And it really just has some practical, pragmatic strategies on how to set yourself up for success and not you know, be so drawn to look at your phone, which often keeps us up all night. So that's one thing that I'd love to offer to your listeners. We can uh, drop the link. And then I also offer a free... 30-minute holistic health strategy call. So if anything that we've talked about today resonates with your listeners, if there's something that they're like, oh gosh, I would really like to figure out what I could take off my plate or, you know, that I've got this one thing that's really weighing heavy on me every day and, you know, I need to learn how to delegate this or set a boundary. That 30-minute call is a really great way to just, you know, take a deep dive and a laser focus into one particular issue and, and, and get a result. So I'd be happy to offer that as well. 
absolutely. Thank you for just the generous gift after sharing all this wisdom and nuggets and tips and strategies and all that stuff. So of course, all of that will be in our show notes. So please definitely take Amy up on that, you know, to... If you're at a place where you're like, I don't even know what this looks like. I'm just at a sticking point or I'm at a point I'm just fed up. I'm stressed out. I just need somebody to talk to. And, you know, maybe you're at a situation or a place in your life where it's, you know, not situational to, you know, reach out yet because you don't have that direction. You're not even sure where to go or what to do. Definitely take Amy up on that offer to at least have somebody to talk to. And she'll help provide some of that clarity so she can advise on next best steps. So thank you, Amy. This has just been incredible that you are just filled with a vast knowledge of experience and coming from your background, you definitely, definitely are going to deliver. So all of this will be in our show notes. So of course, one last, uh, Amy, how can people follow you and learn more about you? What's your favorite social media place to hang out? Let's give yeah, the details. Absolutely. And thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation. And I, I hope it's been valuable for your listeners. People can find me. I have a website. It's just amyshamberg.com. LinkedIn is the, the social media outlet that I'm on most. Also, I have Instagram just at amy.shamberg. So, you know, those are those are the places you can find me. Shoot me a DM. I'd love to chat with your listeners. And, you know, if you just have one question, you don't want to talk on the phone for 30 minutes, that's cool. If you just have a question, shoot me a message and, and we'll connect. Awesome. Well, of course, thank you for joining us today and everything will be below in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And until next time, take care. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 